It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Bachelor veteran and Packers superfan, Wisconsin native, Mick Vile is on the show today. He'll be on the show tomorrow as well. A two-part interview. And the funny thing about Nick is, although he is probably most famous, and I don't even know why I say probably, he is most famous for being a part of the Bachelor Nation the Bachelor franchise on ABC, and certainly that is uh, why some of you are tuning in. And yet, the most animated, the most fun, the most passionate that he gets, and we talked for 40-plus minutes, um, and that's just on-air. We talked for probably another 40 off-air, was about the Packers. He absolutely loves talking Packers and is not the kind of celebrity who is a fan to come on these podcasts and just get some clout. He is legit. He follows the team, has takes, is passionate. And it's great to see because, you know, I, I think we forget that, you know, people who maybe they have public lives, they don't have a separate world to engage with. They don't, there's no special, you know, famous person Netflix There's no special, like they watch The Voice, they watch sports, they watch the Packers, they have teams that they root for, and sometimes it seems contrived. This is not contrived, and it will be very apparent to you that this is not contrived. Nick really cares about his team. I do want to let you know, uh, because I know that there are, I have gotten notes in the past from people, hey, you know, I, I listen to the show with my kids and you know they whether it was they didn't appreciate the blue chew ads or you know whatever it was i get it not everyone is the same when it comes to this audience i'm i'm glad in fact that my audience is not a monolith you don't all have the same experiences uh this is a conversation that is 
let's just say it wouldn't run on network TV. <laughs> Not all of the phrases used would be bachelor friendly, for example. So um, it would get the explicit warning if that were a thing that that still happened. So look, it's not a big deal. Um, It's just two guys talking football and that's how it gets. That's how it is. And I just wanna be upfront about it so that if you are listening in the car with your kids or you're getting them ready for school or whatever, that it doesn't take you off guard. It is not you know, anything more than that. I just want everyone to understand what's going on here. So. Before we get to that conversation, we actually have a bit of news to get to, um, a a couple pieces actually that we'll get to the next two days uh, as we do this this, uh, Nick Vile conversation series, as it will be. And that is uh, this week, the, the NFL passed expansions to the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule is aimed at allowing and and fostering the growth of minority candidates in coaching. And a couple important things here. The first is they expanded the provision that requires NFL teams to interview minority candidates for head coaching vacancies. At least two external minority candidates for head coaching vacancies will be part of the process now for every team. And then it's expanded beyond that. At least one minority candidate will have to be interviewed for any of the three major coordinator vacancies and at least one external minority candidate for senior football operations or general manager positions. This is a pretty significant change. And it is more than that because it isn't just the minority candidate part. There is also a provision that will forbid teams from engaging in a longstanding practice that prevented candidates from interviewing for coordinator positions. So, for example, the Packers in the past, and this was especially true for Mike McCarthy, he always wanted to prop his coordinators up. He wanted guys like Edgar Bennett to have the opportunity to become offensive coordinators and to become head coaches. He wanted that for them, but he wanted it on his schedule, right? And that is for you know both selfish reasons and reasons that theoretically relate to the coach himself. You wanna make sure a guy gets an opportunity when he's ready. Ben McAdoo, for example, was not ready to be the New York Giants head coach. Now, he went to be the offensive coordinator, and they promoted him because of his relationship with Eli Manning, all that stuff. But he was not ready to do the thing, and he he got that opportunity. So sometimes coaches can be right in those situations. But what this allows coaches to do is if you're a receiver's coach or a quarterback's coach or a running back's coach, your team can now not block you from interviewing for the big three coordinator vacancies, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. This is important for the Packers for a number of reasons. The first is they reportedly tried to hire last year, Matt LaFleur wanted his brother Mike. And Mike was on the San Francisco staff and Kyle Shanahan said he didn't want his offensive staff to leave for anything less than the offensive coordinator position. And that included play-calling duties. He wanted those guys to get a chance to call plays because if you're an OC who doesn't call plays, it's much harder to become a head coach. This is similar to the way Mike McCarthy often ran his 
decision-making process with his assistants. He wanted his guys to be able to go to places where they could eventually become head coaches or, or where they could go and showcase their skills so that they could become head coaches. Well, now someone like Kyle Shanahan can no longer block someone like Mike LaFleur from moving on. If the Packers wanted to hire him to be their passing game coordinator or wanted to hire them to be their offensive coordinator, especially, he could not be blocked from doing that by Kyle Shanahan. This raises an interesting secondary question, which is what if this rule had passed previously, if this had been the rule two years ago? If Matt LaFleur gets hired and Kyle Shanahan could not block Mike from becoming a part of the Packers staff, would he already be the Packers' offensive coordinator, and would that be preferable? Because Aaron Rodgers, in his conversation with the media last week, talked about the energy of Nathaniel Hackett and his impact on the team, his energy and his enthusiasm and his attitude and everything that he brings. He has embodied this culture movement that Matt LaFleur helped install in Green Bay. Does Mike LaFleur have the same sort of impact? It can't be discounted as well that Hackett came from the same sort of West Coast offensive system that Mike McCarthy ran when he was the head coach. So he could be the bridge between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and say, okay, this is what the concept is in the Mike McCarthy offense. It's somewhat similar in the Matt LaFleur offense, the verbiage changes and all of those things. But here is the best way to bridge that gap. And Nathaniel Hackett can talk both languages. That would have been helpful and was helpful theoretically to the Packers last year. Would it have been the same if you have Mike LaFleur? Now, in the context of the Rooney rule, none of this, in terms of the conversation we're having about the Packers, actually helps the spirit of the rule. Because what the what the old rule allowed the 49ers to do was prevent the kind of nepotism that often leads to minority candidates being shut out. So Matt LaFleur wants to hire his brother. He can't because of the rule system. Well, it may be the case that Mike LaFleur is the most qualified offensive coordinator for the Packers, for example. Let's just say it may be the case. But one of the reasons that minority candidates have not had the same sort of opportunities in the NFL is because they don't have the same sort of institutional advantages as non-minority coaches. They don't have the same sort of networking advantages. They don't have the same sort of circles that they run in that allows you so much of coaching is about the people that you know. And when the circles are small, and the numbers are small for minority candidates, it's much harder to expand those circles. And we see so many retreads in the NFL. I mean, how many opportunities does Brian Schottenheimer get? How many opportunities has, you know, pick a guy? I mean, pick a bad coach, right? I mean, why is it that someone like Adam Gase would get an opportunity to be a head coach and someone like Eric Bieniemy would not? based on their track records. Well, it's because of networking. I mean, there are there are myriad factors at play here. But again, none of the the rule changes in terms of the the coaching restrictions that have been placed on these teams 
The changes are good in a vacuum because it prevents teams from exerting undue power on their staffs. But if anything, it could potentially exacerbate all of the problems that created a gap in minority hiring for the NFL. Now, there are other ways that that you can fix that. And of course, the expansion of the requirements could lead to better hiring if you have to interview offensive and defensive coordinators, special teams coordinators, front office people, that can potentially change the way that that you're viewing these candidates. It could broaden the search in ways that it might not have otherwise done. And the Packers are sort of a perfect example of that. They couldn't hire the guy that they may have wanted to hire, and so they had to look somewhere else. That means their search was not their own. They had to go outside, and they found a guy who turned out to be really good. And this is theoretically how the Rooney rule is supposed to work, not for Nathaniel Hackett necessarily, but for someone like Todd Bowles, for example, or Raheem Morris or Ron Rivera. There are a lot of coaches who have over the years benefited from this. And then there are, of course, coaches who have been the token candidate. And Hugh Jackson has been that guy Uh, Marvin Lewis has been that guy. Chris Richard has been that guy. But when you have to do it suddenly for offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, it could potentially open teams' eyes to, to coaches who would not otherwise have had that opportunity, either A, because they were being blocked from that opportunity by their head coach, or, and, both can be true, they were not required by the league to interview those kinds of candidates. And while, you know, I think reasonable people can disagree about the efficacy of the second part, the requirement part, you know, we can have a conversation about whether or not that actually works, whether or not it's actually fair. It is the case that there is this disparity and the NFL is trying to change that. And speaking of good decision-making, if you're trying to find something healthy that also tastes good to put in your body, especially in quarantine, Built Bar is the place you should be looking. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, and 8 chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. This is not work. So much of health food feels like homework. Ugh. I have to eat this because it's good for me. Now, that's not the deal with Built Bar. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person that actually cares about how things taste. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to get $10 off. And if you're looking to make an impact in your life beyond what you put in your mouth, There's no better place to do it than at the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventure across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen and so much more. The Army is a team of a million individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? And text ALPL to 462769 to find out. That's ALPL to 462769. All right, let's get to my conversation with Nick Vile. You know him from The Bachelor. He is also the CEO and founder of NH Oils, which is an essential oils company. Look, it's quarantine. Your apartment, your house, 
it might not be ideal right now, the smell. You're home a lot more. You're maybe showering a little bit less. That could be something to invest in. He is also the host of Vile Files. And if you are a Bachelor watcher like I am, my wife and I really do enjoy the show. And uh, he, it is not just The Bachelor, though they do talk about that. They also talk about relationships and a lot of other things. Uh, it's it's a really fun podcast, and, and I highly recommend that you go check it out. You can follow him on Twitter at Vile, V-A-L-L, Nicholas28. Nick, thanks for being on Locked on Packers. Thanks for having me. It is interesting because I've noticed something, and, and I wonder if you've noticed it too because I know that that you are – someone who follows sports on social media, follows sports in general, but it seems like there's this crossover now with The Bachelor and like sports Twitter, that this is something that I see my media friends tweeting about, that it's almost become, I've joked that it's like the fifth American sport now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think now now more than ever with, with sports not existing, I think right. uh, with social media, reality TV um, has you know, developed a sports-like following. And I guess it makes a lot of sense when you think about what sports are to the average fan is, you know, it's reality TV. I mean, you have the competitive element, but even as sports fans, we we like to follow our athletes outside of uh, the game, the field, the court, whatever you want to say, you know. Um, you know, everyone's watching the, the Last Dance with Michael Jordan, and we're all fascinated by kind of uh, the interpersonal relationship set that you see with them. And so, you know, for, for people who may not be the biggest sports fans, but are reality TV f- fans, uh, it makes a lot of sense that there's that interest there. And quite honestly, there's a lot of uh, people who go on reality TV like myself who are just big sports fans. And so um, <laughs> sometimes there is that, that crossover, um, you know, with people. And, you know, I, even for myself, you know, I have a, a podcast that's more, it's not really, it's not a bachelor podcast, but we do spend some time covering the show and quite honestly, like, well, it's not necessarily a deep passion of mine. Um, I know my audience likes it and quite honestly, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of breaking down situations and drama just the same way, uh, yourself or, uh, a Colin Cowherd might do, or, you know, in, 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 as it relates to the sports fans. So it's kind of fascinating that way. And I think that's only going to continue to grow. Um, I'm not actually even a big reality TV watcher. I mean, I watched the, the bachelor franchise now I was on and I'm familiar with it and I, and I cover it, but I, I haven't really gotten into the other stuff, but I do have a lot of friends who are Vanderpump rules and, you know, 90 day fiance. And, and they like to talk about it the same way people like to go, uh, to work. Granted, we're not going to work right now, but they like to call up their friends and, and, and talk about the game and break it down and, and just kind of, you know, play Monday morning quarterback, you know, reality TV fans like to, to do that as well. So it's kind of fascinating that way. Let's go back a little bit because I know you are uh, a Packers fan and, and someone who, who follows this stuff closely. Uh, you grew up Waukesha. Is that right? Yeah. We're from Waukesha, Wisconsin. My family's still there. Where are you from? Milwaukee. I actually used okay. to work in Waukesha. And I, the where you did your um, bakery date on the show, I used to go oh, to the Rochester okay. Deli, which is connected to it, like two or three times a week because they had awesome pastrami sandwiches. They had just gotcha. it, was, it was like my lunch spot. Uh, it's funny. I I never really spent too much time in downtown Waukesha because I you know I grew up in Waukesha, but didn't go down there. But uh, I lived in Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, most of my. Um, 
young adult life. So it's kind of a cruff. It's funny that way. But yeah, it was, was my first time in that bakery when they, when they shot the show. <laughs> what was the go-to bar when you were living downtown? Uh, well, I'm going to date myself, but I would go to like McGillicuddy's. I, I mean, I used to go when I was like O'Dani- O'Dani's, O'Dani's yeah. pub, which is now, uh, I don't even know what it is now. It was like, uh, uh, yeah, it was like O'Dani's. Uh, or, uh, is McGillicuddy's not still there? I don't even know, honestly. McGillic- I think McGillicuddy's is still, uh, is still there. The Harper's there, you know, all those places. Milwaukee classic, Street. Classic Kennedy's. spots. Yeah. yeah. Kennedy's. Oh, man. Kennedy's is my jam. It used, <laughs> used, used, used to be fun. I'm sure it still is or, or whatever is there. Um, do you have early memories of, like, how you became a Packers fan? Oh, yeah. I have a, uh, my, probably my first vivid memory of being a Packer fan was uh, Don Mikowski, 89 season. Um, the uh, kind of the infamous uh, instant replay over the line of scrimmage, not over the line of scrimmage, where I, I, I was like nine or something. But uh, like I'm pretty sure if my, my memory serves me, that was when re- instant replay, like they, they kept playing the game. And after they ran like – a couple plays went back and reversed the call, which was kind of insane when you think about it. I could be wrong there. I could be not remembering correctly, but I'm pretty sure like the game kept playing and then they decided to review it. And it was like this long thing. It was such a big deal. It was the first, my first memory of the Packers beating the bears, um, which is a good memory then growing up. And uh, yeah, I think, I think they went 10 and six that year, still missed the playoffs to the, and to the Vikings. And that kind of cemented my hatred for the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely that was the first year. That from then on, I was a, a big Packer fan, and it was kind of funny. I do uh, something I'll always well, I'll always remember was that uh, Brett Favre's first game where he came back and beat the Bengals by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my dad turned off the game, so I never saw that. Oh no! Oh no! It was like I was like, "Fuck this! They suck. <laughs> Who's this Favre guy? You know, whatever." And then we like turned it back in. They won by one, and like you see replays like over the past years, and I'm like, "Oh, that was so cool!" But like I kind of like to myself, I'm like, "Actually, I turned it off. I never saw it live." <laughs> um, so that that kind of sucks. But uh, yeah, no, I've been a, a diehard fan. Truly, uh, I I've, I follow the Packers uh, religiously. Did you ever get a chance to to go when they would play at County Stadium? Never, never went uh, when they went to County Stadium. I mean, I do remember watching the games, obviously. I remember the, the big Falcons game uh, where mm-hmm. you know, Favre had the, the kind of the winning touchdown run and, and big drive. Uh, never went to a game there at County Stadium, though. What about Lambeau? Oh, yeah, I've been to Lambeau. You know, I try to go once a year. And so uh, I've been lucky enough to, you know, uh, get tickets and even – uh, have friends who were closely linked to maybe the former coach and things like that. So it's, mm. it's been fun to kind of have a first, uh, you know, an inside look at the Packers organization and um, truly a special place. It's a, it's a euphoric place. My first time at Lambeau was uh, the 96 season when they won the Super Bowl. I uh, went with my dad and uh, Desmond Howard returned to punt and they beat the Bears, I think like 35 to 10 or something like that. So. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my first game at Lambeau, which was a, a fun year to go to a game. And I've probably been 10 or 15 times since then. I, that was actually – that season was my first uh, time at Lambeau as well. Was the, it was actually the 49ers playoff game in the rain and mud. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, a yeah, – What that's Do you have, time. like, a routine? You're, do you go to Kroll's? you go to Stadium View? Do you have, like, spots I, I that you like to hit? 
I like watching the game by myself, uh, usually in my in my home. I, I'm not like I don't. I've been to Packer bars. It's kind of a a, a fun thing, but I. I want to watch the game. So like if, if you want right. to watch the game with me, that's fine. But like, I don't like going to parties and like have people like kind of watch the game. I'm like I'm watching the game. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't, I don't mess around there. Like I'm, I'm into the game. I want to watch the game. I'm not trying to have like sidebar conversations with people. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm dedicated that way. I know that you are a man after my own heart in that way. Uh, my family understands if we were if we're going to watch a game together, uh, not complete silence, but like something approximating, just sort of yeah. leave me alone so I can be be yeah. in it. Exactly. So uh, yeah, and if I have to go to a bar, like you know, I live in LA, but you know, I have the the NFL ticket, uh, so most games I can. They're either nationally televised or I can watch right. them at my home. But if I have to go to a bar, fine. But it's not my – I don't treat it as a social event, put it that way. I'm going to ask you about Jordan Love in a second. But do you remember where you were on the, the stance when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers? Were you one of those fans that was like, hey, we got to get I, Brett Favre some I, help? I do. I mean, I was young enough where I was in my parent, my parents' house. I was in the living room. I remember it vividly. I still – I lived in Wisconsin at the time. Um and for whatever reason, I was at my parents' house for the draft. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember Aaron Rodgers kept falling and falling. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, fuck it, take him. You know, it was kind of like, you know, but again, different situation where this was a guy who was like supposed to go one or two. You know, I remember, you know, listening to like the Dan Patrick show leading up to the draft and a lot of like speculation between like who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Alex Smith. And then. Mm-hmm. Here we are, uh, you know, he kept dropping and kept dropping. And I was just like, you know what? Might as well take him. I, I do remember, I actually remember thinking out loud or maybe even audibly saying it that uh, the Packers should take him. But again, that very different too, because uh, Brett Favre very much held the franchise hostage with his like, I don't know, I might retire, I might not. And right. it's just like, hey, man, like, <laughs> well, all right, well, seems unclear. We have this guy falling to us. Um, it was, a, to me, kind of a no Brainer. I mean, I'm not a, a talent evaluator, but uh, I was basing this off just the simple fact that uh, here's a guy who was supposed to go one or two and, and fell to 24. And how do you pass that up? So I was definitely pro Aaron Rodgers. And it, it wasn't because I had any loyalty to Rodgers at that point. I was a huge, huge Brett Favre fan. It was just at the time, it was kind of a getting annoying as a fan being like, well, I mean, whatever you want to do, man, that's fine. But like, you're really you're making it very difficult for our organization to either get behind you or move on. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, that's how I felt about it. And then, so I assume you felt the same sort of shock that we all did when the Packers made the Jordan love pick, because that was not yeah, really on anyone's I, mind. I don't think in a, in a I major had way. A, I had a different reaction. I mean, again, I, as I told Aaron Negler, I'm a Packer fan first, you know, right. I'm a, I'm a far fan. I'm Aaron Rodgers fan, but my loyalty is with the Packers. And I, I as for my own self-preservation, like I recognize that these players are people and they're human and I don't care in a sense that like, <laughs> as far as, you know, you put on the Jersey, I respect using human. I understand that like you, why do you have a bad game? I don't know who knows what's going on in their life. But at the same time as a player for the team I love, uh, my loyalty starts and stops uh, with the Jersey you, you put on. Um, 
and that's just me. Like I, I very much rooted against Brett Favre when he played for the Vikings. Uh, I, I, for one game, I couldn't have been a bigger Saints fan. Um, <laughs> but uh, which is fun. I do remember that. I had a buddy who was a, a big uh, Vikings fan. And I remember that drive, and I just liked fucking with him. And I just looked at him, and I said, this is where Brett Favre throws an interception. And I shit you not, two, day, two plays later, he did. And I was like, feel my pain. Um, and um, anyways, but uh, yeah, the Jordan Love, uh, different situation. When it happened, right. my initial reaction was, Are you, really? This is actually happening. I wasn't mad or happy about it. I was more shocked. I was definitely disappointed. My Listen, I think all Packer fans leading up to the draft, they heard how much talent there is in the wide receiver uh, right. position. Uh, all season long, last season, it felt like we were <clears throat> a, a real talented receiver short, right? Um, so, yeah, you hear all the reports about, like, you know, your Packers never taken a, a receiver in the first round. I don't really like – like, I really hated that stat recently. It was like – Aaron Rodgers only threw two, two touchdown passes, the first round talent. Like that's a, such a meaningless stat. And then you add yeah. like second round and now he's number three all time in terms of like first and second round. Yeah. That being said, yeah, <laughs> it would have been, I think fun to, to hit on a, on a talented receiver. Um, but at the same time, you know, as, as uh, even, even shortly after they drafted Jordan love, listen, quarterback is the most important position. Uh, Hopefully, yeah. Gutekist and Matt LaFleur are right. And if they are, it's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, people, I said this to Nagler, it's like, people are just like, oh, well, he, he has the biggest floor. I don't care about your floor. The floor is meaningless to me. Uh, this is a quarterback they draft in the first round that's going to at least sit for two, maybe four years, right? So if Jordan Love ends up being an average quarterback, that's a, that's a wasted pick. Because you're not going to take a quarterback in the first round, have him sit for two to three years, eventually start, and then only right. be mediocre. Like that's honestly that's that 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 that's the thing you got to be afraid of. Where it's just like, you either hit or you move on, right? What you don't want is to invest in Jordan Love and then try to make him work for two to three years after they move on from Aaron Rodgers, only to realize this guy's not that good. You know, he's fine, he's serviceable, but like if he's uh. Like I said, if he uh, ends up being, um, uh, you know, think of an average quarterback uh, who's never really going to take you to the, the promised land, that's, that's not what we want. Um, right. So you I don't care Andy about Dalton. your floor. Yeah, exactly. Andy Dalton, thank you. Uh, and no disrespect to Andy Dalton, but, like, I'm, Packer fans aren't interested in a quarterback that can get you to the playoffs, you know? They're not interested in a quarterback that can maybe win one game. Um, and it seems like Jordan Love, amongst all the first-round quarterbacks, has the highest upside. Listen, I'm really glad they ordered, ended up with Jordan Love versus Justin Herbert. You know, uh, Justin Herbert seems like every other, you know, white quarterback who looks <laughs> like a quarterback who's the third or fourth like rated prospect. And you know, you can't get—he's not your top guy. So you, and then some team reaches for him, right? Like they take him in the top ten or top fifteen because they need a quarterback and. Enough of people are saying he's got talent, and then he sucks. Like Justin, like Ponder, or whatever. Like there's a, there's locker, a long yeah. there is a long list of guys who look like quarterbacks, who were never like you know rated all that high, but like they kind of got that bump because they play quarterback, and they and teams reach and they suck. Um, you know I don't know if Jordan Love's going to turn into uh, Patrick Mahomes, but it sounds like it's. Uh, 
agreed that he's the only one who could. And that includes um, Bur- Burrow, the guy who went to Cincinnati. Yeah, Joe Burrow to a tank of Joe Burrow. Those guys. I got, I, you know, listen, like Joe Burrow could be a Hall of Famer, but it seems like what you read is that Joe Burrow is going to have to have a good situation. I don't know if the Bengals have ever been considered a good situation, but like if Jordan, if uh, Joe Burrow, I mean, he's got receivers on his team, but like, you know, a lot of it, it is situation. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers become Aaron Rodgers without Mike McCarthy or, uh, you know, Ted Thompson. And, the you know, again, the, the talent he had around him uh, and sitting for so for a few years. So we'll see. But I think Matt LaFleur seems to be a good coach. Um, you know, I think it's great. He's going to sit for a couple years. And listen, I'm going to be I'm going to choose to be optimistic about Jordan Love until uh, until or proven otherwise. That's the only choice we have. And um I listen, truth is, if he doesn't work out, I hope he's either really good or he sucks. Like, I hope he, I hope he doesn't like, you know, kind of tease even the coaches of a chance. And I, you know, Mike, uh, Ron Wolf said that, like, you just got to know when to cut your losses. And I think some, right. some, uh, management has, have a hard time doing that. And the truth is like Gutekinst and Matt LaFour, um, they put a target on their back, you know? Um, yeah. and the players will know TJ Lang said yeah. this on Twitter the other day. You know, I saw one that. practice in if a guy can can play or not, and he reeled off a, a list of names that were like, "Yeah, I knew all of these guys within one play. They could do the thing." And the the players are gonna know. It's not gonna take the players two years to find out if Jordan Love can play. They're gonna know. I think if it's a, not right away, pretty close to right away. I think it's a bit hyperbolic on TJ right. Lang's I, part. I, I, I don't I know if in one practice, you know, revisionist history. Like Aaron right. Rodgers might have showed up with an arm, but no one's debating whether Jordan Love can make an amazing throw. Right. Um, so my guess is he will. Like the big question is like, it's going to, you know, Aaron Rodgers from everything you read really sucked his first year. He did. He looked really bad uh, in a lot of preseason games too. Yeah. Like, so like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I doubt TJ Lane was like, Oh no, I see it. I mean like, you know, I don't, these guys don't all become talent evaluators. And if it was that easy, then you would you would be these scouts would go to one practice and see if right. they could. But I, I mean, I get what he's saying. But I you know I have a hard time believing like literally one practice. You're right. You know, it's easy for T.J. Lane to make. Bias yeah. too. Like there are a lot of times yeah. where you're like, oh yeah, this guy's got it, and then two years later he's out of the league, and you forgot that you thought two years ago this guy was the yeah. shit. Like that that just that's it's just pretty, part yeah. of the deal. Per, pretty easy for TJ Lang to make a list after the fact <laughs> right. where he's like, Oh yeah. All these guys who were awesome. Yeah. I yeah. thought they were awesome. And all, all these guys who teammates. sucked, <laughs> I remember them sucking. I'm like, show me the tweet after the practice that gave your prediction. And then I will believe you. But I, I get, I'm sure there's a lot of truth to what he's saying. I, I, I get that, yeah. but Hey, listen up FanDuel fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. 
And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right part two of my conversation with nick vile is on the show tomorrow a lot more packers talk i told you i told you once we got to the packer stuff he he lit up and we were on Zoom, and so I got to see him, and, and you could just tell, once we got to the Packers stuff, man, he just, he absolutely took off and was on fire for most of that. I mean, I, as I was going through the editing of it, it's like, for the last 10 minutes of the show, I say like six things, and he just goes, he was just off on it. So, uh, a lot more of that coming tomorrow as we discuss more Packer topics, and he does not hold back, absolutely does not hold back. And it, it's a really fun conversation coming tomorrow. And then we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to do our What If series. Uh, Andy Herman is going to be on the show from Packer Report to talk about his column on the Aaron Rodgers trade possibilities. Jason Hershorn is going to be on the show to talk about our big What If next week, although we're going to have a couple different What If shows and potentially a couple different guests. But the big one that stood out to me is What If the Packers moved on from Dom Capers early. Jason and I have a, a specific reason for wanting to do that show together, uh, and, and you will find out next week what that reason is. All right, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.